You're listening to the Black Girls of Purpose podcast, where we talk about faith, friendships, and feature boss women from the Black Girls of Purpose community. I'm your host, Brianna Lightfoot-Smith, founder and CEO of Black Girls of Purpose. Hey, Purpose peeps. I hope you're having a great week. I am on here with a bonus episode. Y'all know that I like sprinkling in those bonus surprise episodes occasionally. And I'm really on here to share my testimony. Um, If you've been following my journey for a while, then you know my story with I'm looking for my identity in guys uh, and and with my uh, friendships to just kind of affirm me. And God showed me Uh, my sophomore year of college that I needed to focus on him and not on other people around me. Uh, But today's testimony is specifically about my journey here in New Orleans um, and and this journey of us transitioning. And I titled it Why You Should Come to Friendsgiving because having godly community has played such a big part in this story. And so I'm hoping that by the end of this episode, you will join me at my church's Friendsgiving uh, this Thursday, November 15th at 7 p.m. 2001 Airline Drive in Metairie. Without further ado, I'm going to tell you my story. I want to start by saying that one encounter with God can change everything. I went from being a suicidal teen to running a full-time women's ministry, and it's not because I'm so special. It's because of the courage God placed inside of me to take major faith leaps. Uh, I tell people that my first faith leap was back in 2009 when I headed to Missouri, um, And that's when I went there not knowing anybody. That's where I met my friends, my husband. Um, That's how I ended up in New Orleans, honestly, because I filled out an application for this program called City Year right before graduation and was looking to just do something different, honestly. I had been pursuing um, journalism. I was going to work for, wanted to work for Essence Magazine and then a couple months before graduation, all of a sudden I was like, wait, no, I don't think I want to do that anymore. And I got a email from our career services center at University of Missouri and they were saying, hey, do a year of service. And I was like, yep, sounds good to me. So went through uh, various cities. I actually started out wanting to do city or Los Angeles because I knew I was going to have friends in LA. And then um, change it to city or Miami because the recruiter was like, oh, you don't really need to choose a place based off where you'll, you want friends, you'll get friends wherever you go. And then two weeks before city or New Orleans started, um, I got a call from them and they said, hey, Brie, we see that you're from Texas and we think that it'd be awesome if you came here to serve. We need more core members for our service year and uh, we think that you know it'd be great for you because you'd be closer to home and I remember hanging up the phone and calling my mom and just saying like mom they want me to move to New Orleans I had all these plans because I was going to go to Florida International University and major in international business but um, my mom was just like make new plans and she tells me she doesn't remember even saying that which is crazy because it changed my entire life but uh, that's what I did I made new plans and that week I um packed up my things and got ready to move to New Orleans and I actually moved down here Essence weekend in 2013. So it was very clear to me from the beginning uh, that 
New Orleans was an assignment. I was going to be here for 10 months uh, through the city year program that I talked about, and it really changed me. I was working at a high school close to the Ninth Ward, and the work environment was chaotic, to say the least. Uh, I always summarize my experience by saying that in the year that I was teaching, out of the 40 staff, 35 quit or were fired before the year was up. See? Crazy. And uh, the school I worked at is actually closing down now. So I thought it was crazy that um, the year that I'm leaving, they're closing. And they had always rumored that they were going to close, but they're really doing it now. So that's very interesting. But moving on, um, I saw that God was still working even in the midst of chaos. During this time, I realized my passion for teens. And I also um, really feel like that's where God began his earnest pursuit of me. I was born and raised in the church, always knew God. Um, And in college, I felt like I received my first calling from him. That's when I I should always share my testimony about how I had been picked over with men I was interested in dating. And then God told me like, you're my first choice. You're chosen, you're royalty. But here in New Orleans, was a, he did a whole new thing, and I really began to know him personally. And I think it's because I didn't know anybody in the city. Like, God was all I had. It was just me and him daily. And I learned from my time in college that trying to do life apart from him was silly. So soon after I moved into the city, I looked for a church home, and I found one at Franklin Avenue, um, which was just seven minutes from the school where I was teaching. I'd actually gotten the recommendation from one of the members of my home church who said our son had attended the church while he was at Xavier University. And I went a couple times, uh, but in October of that year, the pastor extended an invitation to join the church like he did every week. And I remember God telling me to get up and join. And I was like, Lord, I can attend this church without joining. Like, I'm only going to be in town for a few more months. So I thought anyway. And I don't want to get attached to a place where I'll soon be leaving. But I'm really glad that I just got over myself and walked in obedience because answering that call changed everything. Um, As I shared before, I had already been awakened to the love that I had for teens. But at Franklin, this love grew from a mere thought to the seeds, the initial seeds of a ministry. Uh, After being baptized at the church about a month later, I took this class called New Beginnings. And in that class... The first lady of the church, Sister Luda, she teaches it. And she, you go through various things. You find out about personality and your gifts and talents and different things. And then at the end of the class, before you graduate, she asks you a question. She says, if you had $1 million to help one group of people, who would it be? The answer was easy at this point because, like I said, I understood that I had a huge passion for teens and specifically teen girls who were like me and maybe suffered with thoughts of suicide as a teen. And so um, I told her teen girls, but then she asked me a question that I hadn't been asked previously. And she said, what would you like to help them do? And I said, I would want to let them know that their lives have meaning. And I would tell them what my mom told me when I was a teenager. She always said, this is not the end of your story. She would say, Brie, you know, I wish I knew all the great things that God has for you. But I just firmly believe that he's going to blow your mind. And this is not the end of your story. And every time that I would think about taking my life, I would remember what she said. And I just would think like, 
what if she's right? What if she's right? And that curiosity was enough to keep me going. So I knew I wanted to plant that same kind of seed in the lives of the girls that I would work with in ministry. Um, So during this same time that I was taking the New Beginnings class, my husband, who was then my boyfriend, moved down to New Orleans. And it was great because it uh, gave me someone to attend events with me. And um, he actually lived with me and my roommates for about three months, which I went three months, which I would not recommend, especially because we were waiting to have sex until we were married. And God one day led me to the scripture that said, uh, avoid even the appearance of evil. And so even though I was like, well, Lord, we're not having sex. Like he stays here, but we're not having sex. He was like, yeah, but avoid the appearance of evil and cause and avoid anything that causes your brother to stumble. So needless to say, God gave me that instruction. And I, uh, told my again then boyfriend now husband and he moved out that week and it was really God's favor and he opened the door and with us trying to be walking obedience because we started looking for places for him Monday and he had found one by Wednesday but anyway back to ministry um my involvement in the ministry was slow and uneventful at first, but the people were great and they kept me coming back every week. I always, I still remember that my first day attending, I was walking to the gym where the teens would meet and I met my friends who are now my son's godparents, Allie and Dudley. Uh, they were moving tables or chairs, I can't remember which one, back to the gym for something and I asked if they needed help and in unison they were like, nope, and kept it pushing. Later that morning, I was able to introduce myself formally, and I remember just being so drawn to the love that I could tell that they had for teens, uh, especially because up until this point, I hadn't met anyone my age who was passionate about serving, so I knew this was a great place to be. Um, That spring marked a huge opportunity for serving. Our church was involved in this new urban, quote unquote, summer camp that was starting called Reset. And one of the people leading the charge invited me to attend a camp meeting. And somehow the meeting turned into me being on staff in a larger capacity. Needless to say, I was more than up for it. And I was happy that this person had thought of me. And this opportunity also allowed me to get closer to Allie and Dudley because we planned for the camp um, and we would just meet regularly. We would talk about different things. And (sighs) y'all, Allie and Dudley will both tell you none of us had any idea what we were doing. But thankfully, God just needs willing hearts when it comes to serving effectively. So we made packets for staff. We made this cool journal for students that they didn't really end up using. But I like it a lot. I still have one as a souvenir. Um, And then we helped with registration and lots of other things. And when the camp finally came around, I knew full-time ministry was where I wanted to be. That was four years ago and two years before I would start Black Girls of Purpose, or as y'all know, I call it BGWP. I remember that fall, Allie invited me to help with another event. This one was a girls retreat, and I was excited for another opportunity to serve, especially in this capacity. Um, First, I was just going to help plan logistics, but one day Allie approached me and said, hey, would you be interested in speaking? And she says, (laughs) I said something to effect of, oh, I don't speak. I'm a writer, but I mean, I can write something down and read it if you think that'd be good. And, um she gave me the go-ahead to do that so the theme for the event I remember was royalty and for the first time that weekend in November 2014 I remember sitting in the middle of this like cabin floor 
and I sat there and with this group of young ladies I shared my testimony and I talked with them about how I had suicidal thoughts as a teen and I talked to them about how I looked for my identity and my relationships with guys and and with friends and how one day that caught up with me and I talked about the experience I had in college when that guy chose someone else over me and how that night in the dark God told me that to him I was not second choice I was first choice I was chosen and I was royalty Uh, this retreat was also where I met Allie's best friend Lilla who had recently gotten married and she showed me or had recently had her wedding she had actually been married for like a whole year by that point Um, but I remember she showing she just showed me this example of a godly wife and she just loved you could tell she was completely in love with her husband and she was the youngest person I knew at least in that close proximity who was married And that was really exciting because I knew that that's where Jordan and I were heading eventually. Um, So fast forward to spring 2015, I remember writing an article on self-love for this uh, magazine I was writing for at the time. And I was interviewing one of the girls in our ministry. And I was just saying, you know, like, how do you practice self-love and asking different things? And as I was talking to her, a lot of different topics came up. and as we were just discussing those different things, I remember God saying, like, this is a book, Brie. And I had never written a book before, and I had no idea what he was talking about. And I'm like, Lord, what? Why me? And I remember asking, okay, so if it's a book, what's the title going to be? And without missing a beat, he told me the Black Girl's Guide to Living on Purpose. I was like, oh, uh-uh, Lord, that's controversial, especially because this was at the peak of the Black Lives Matter movement, and I just knew people would be like, well, why can't it be, you know, why does it have to be the black girl's God? Why can't it be everyone's God or the girl's God? Or I was just like, Lord, I'm really not trying to have those problems, but he told me to just trust him and um, that I would be fine. I just had to keep pushing. And so I started writing the book, which was a seven month process. And God sent me the exact people that I would need. Um, One of the women at Franklin, Kim, became my unofficial mentor. And she shared her in-depth process of book, in-depth process of book publishing, because she did self-publishing. She made the process seem a lot less daunting, which was great, because while I was writing the book, Jordan and I also just started to discuss the possibility of getting married. And he proposed that following or that same year in the summer. Um, So writing a book soon got paired with planning a wedding. I remember getting a book editor who had formerly attended our church and Dudley actually did the book cover for me. And then when it was all said and done, I was able to complete the book by the winter of 2015. So I self-published it in December of that year through CreateSpace. I announced its release on Martin Luther King Day in 2016. And in February of that year, I held my first book signing, and it was everything, y'all. I was working at a restaurant company at the time, so I was able to get a connect on food. Um, God led me to this really cool place here called Nola Spaces, and that's where we had it. Um, And since I was a self-published author and had no representation, my friends and my family made up my, you know, my media team, and they told people about it, and... I remember Allie Dudley and a few of our other friends being there to help with the set setup and the breakdown of everything. And I was just so grateful that God had blessed me with this godly community who were just a part of a huge dream for me. Like no one it was just like, yeah, she's a yeah. Allie and Dudley would always be like, oh, this is my friend, the author, the author. And it just it was just so encouraging.
um, March of that year was a huge transition for everyone around me because our youth and young adult pastor had gotten offered a position in a new state and in a new city, which meant a new wave of leadership for our ministry. We weren't sure what that would hold, what else, you know, that would entail, but we were hopeful that God would provide the guidance that we'd need. So while that's going on, the week before Jordan and I got married, I remember being invited to Dillard University to speak, and I had been given 45 minutes to address the crowd, and pretty sure I wasn't up there for more than 15, like... (laughs) It was my first time really doing any kind of formal speaking. Like I had done workshops before where I'm engaged with the crowds and doing different things. But this was my first time being invited to speak. And um, I did not lay it out well enough. (laughs) Shortly after that, I I got smart and took a course on um, speaking. But I know that... God doesn't waste anything. And this was my first time uh, also talking to college students. So even with my nerves, the event was just an awesome experience. And I got to connect with many of the young women afterwards, some of whom I'm still in touch with to this day. And they showed me that I I wanted to work with college women as well, not just teens, because they were in such an important part of their life and phase of their life where um, they were also transitioning. So that following week, we got married, Jordan and I got married, and we started the newest leg of our journey. Um, He moved into the home that I've been living in by myself since the fall of 2015. Uh, And then we started just building our our legacy, I guess. Uh, I remember those first six months were everything. We traveled, we had date nights, we held hands at night until we fell asleep. Y'all, we was like, we were super cute, I'm not going to lie to you. And like I said, we weren't living together previously. So it was like, yes, we did it. We waited. Praise the Lord. <laughs> we can do this. We can keep pushing. Um, I also remember that summer I held my first workshops for Black Girls of Purpose because my aunt wanted me to write a workbook, which I wrote. And she wanted me to do um, some workshops for her teens at her uh, child placement agency in Dallas. And I was like, oh, if I'm going to go there then I can start here and and just see like if I even have anything worth presenting and I remember being so taken aback because there were three women who would come consistently and they actually came from Lafayette which is like three hours away and they would come every single week and they found out about the event on Eventbrite and we talked about goal setting and different things and I just realized again like I really want college women to be a part of this future ministry because still at the time I didn't have, I wasn't presenting Black Girls with Purpose as its own entity. I was more so like, oh, hey, I'm Bree. I have a book called The Black Girl's Guide to Living on Purpose, and I'm doing these different things. So, yeah, that was happening. That was a very eventful summer, y'all, summer 2016. So while that's going on, then I remember we had an event for our teens called Midsummer Madness, which is something that we held annually. And um, there was a guest pastor from Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship who was preaching on obedience, but nobody could have prepared me for what happened next, y'all. He started praying and talking about how our obedience was tied to our success. And as he spoke, I heard God tell me to get off the pill. A prompting to stop taking birth control from the Holy Spirit. Initially, I dismissed it because I was like, oh, that's weird. Why would God be telling me to get off birth control? Like, I'm married. It's not like, you know, I'm just, I don't know. I'm saying things that don't really make sense. I'm just like, okay, what does that have to do with anything? Um, but 
when I tried to dismiss it, I got red hot and it was like, I was like, hey, this is me speaking. So later on that night, I shared with Jordan what my revelation was and we left the conversation open to where God would lead. Um, I did not take birth control again and we continued serving at the church until we were called to the church we attend currently. Uh, during this time, I also started featuring women on the blog. I'd started for Black Girls of Purpose, or again, BGWP, and it felt like a great way to tell women's stories and to use my journalism degree. Um, I remember, again, this was 2016, was so eventful. Uh, even in the midst of that going on, one night, I was with Allie and Dudley. I think we were maybe debriefing about reset or something and they went they said oh yeah we're gonna go to this service called the block it's a college and young adult ministry and I remember I was getting in my car to go with Jordan and I was just like mm, I feel like the guy was like you should go with them so I went and we walked in it was just so cool like the lights were low they had like colorful lights and um, everyone was really inviting and I remember being just taken aback by how many young people were passionate about God and they were all in this one setting and at the end of the message the pastor started talking about life groups something I'd never never heard of before um, and he said that life groups were small groups that helped us grow in our walk and in community and uh, God told me to join a life group and I was just like Lord what I it was just like when he told me to join Franklin, I was hesitant initially, but I was even more hesitant at this point because I was like, God, I have a church home. I'm not looking to change ministries. And he said, Hey, just join a life group and trust me. And so I told Allie and Dudley and I remember they were like, wait, what, what do you, what's happening? Cause like I said, our, our other ministry was in transition at the time. So it was kind of like, Oh, we don't want to work. You know, we don't want to move out of emotion. We want to make sure we're doing, and I was like, y'all, I don't know. I just, I have to join a life group. And so they said that they would wait on me. And, um, I found myself filling out a contact card and they gave me this life group Jersey. And the next day I was attending a life group led by a woman named Raya Smith and she was one of the young women in the ministry and I remember explaining to them um, just how you know just my situation at my current church and how I realized after sitting with them that I had been spiritually thirsty and it's like I'd been in this desert for such a long time and all of a sudden I got like this really cold drink of water and it was the best thing. And so I thought, okay, cool. Well, now I found a place to be fed or or watered and I'll just continue to help at the other ministry. But by the end of the week, God was like, no, you're going, this is your new church home. And I was like, what God, this is crazy. I remember talking to Jordan about it and he was resistant initially. Um, he actually went to the both churches for a while, but then he stopped and um, we just continue to submit to God's lead and at this point I still hadn't gotten pregnant even though I wasn't on birth control but I still felt like it was coming and our new pastor confirmed it one night through a message on yep you guessed it obedience um, he shared that so many of us surrender 99% to God but still hold on to 1% and I confessed to Jordan that a baby was my 1% and that Though I was terrified at the thought of being pregnant earlier in my marriage than I was wanting. Because I, I just had this three-year goal for some reason. Not really sure what that came from. Um, I remembered what the first pastor said. That our obedience was tied to our success. And 
I just was like, Lord, I don't know what you have for me, but I don't want to be the one who limits it. So shortly after we had that conversation, I got pregnant and even with all the prep work that God had been doing on my heart, like I was meeting young couples who had children. I remember um, seeing like Jackie Hill Perry's story and how she had gotten pregnant on her honeymoon. And I was just like, okay, Lord, this could be me. But even with all the prep work, I was still terrified. I was like, wait, Lord, what are you doing? Like, I don't think I have what it takes to be a mother. I don't think I'm nurturing enough for that. And, you know, I still want to have some one-on-one time with G and all these different things. And um, I remember being able to confess this to my life group. And they just put me in the middle of a circle and they prayed for me. And that was such a blessing, y'all. They put their hands on my stomach and they were just like, Lord give Brie encouragement, give her peace. You know, she's walking in obedience to you. So you have got to to bless this thing. And uh, over the next few months from the fall of 2016 to the spring of 2017, my faith would continue to be stretched. But what started out as anxiety after a few trips with Jordan and just a lot of prayer and, and, and journaling and crying uh, really became excitement, which was such a blessing. I, around this time, I uh, also just realized, like, Lord, your word says in Isaiah 40, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. And so... Though I didn't know what was on the other side of my becoming a mother, I knew following God hadn't failed me yet. So I was going to just continue to do it. I didn't have to have all the pieces. Around this time, I started a YouTube channel called Walking on Water that chronicled my faith journey while I was pregnant. And um, I kept it up for maybe nine weeks. And my last episode I published was from our baby shower. And the following month, we had our baby. Uh, In the three weeks that passed between the YouTube channel ending and Jaden's birth, I wrote a book about my faith journey, um, specifically about getting pregnant unexpectedly. And I ended it with the day that we went to the hospital and got to come home with our baby. So with a book and a baby birth, I felt like it was perfectly acceptable for me to spend the first couple months with Jay maxing and relaxing. I felt even more content to um, spend this time maxing and relaxing because my husband was blessed with 100% paid paternity leave. Um, But in the fall of that year, things started to change rapidly and all of a sudden we didn't have any money. Like at first I thought this was a continued test of our faith. And I remember um, the first time our bank account overdrafted, I was like, okay, Lord, you know, we're following your call. You know, you're not going to let us go hungry. (laughs) And then uh, the second time I was like, okay, Lord, you know, we're just pursuing full-time ministry. Because at that point I had officially decided that Black Girls with Purpose was going to be a ministry. And I was going out and, and, and making connections with people and going to different events, tabling things. And so um, I was like, okay, this is just a test, you know, this, we're just, we're just going to continue to make these faith leaps. And then y'all on the fifth time this is five times in one month I looked at God I said okay this is not a test like what is this and he led me to Hebrews 12 and it says that no discipline is pleasant at the time but painful but it can produce a life of righteousness for those who choose to be trained by it and I 
realize God was saying that we are being disciplined for poor financial stewardship. Like up until that point, we knew that Jordan, Jordan's paternity leave was going to run out, but we weren't like saving any particular amount of money. We weren't as diligent with the job search as we could have been. Cause again, I thought I was supposed to be doing full-time ministry and, um, Y'all, it just, it was just not a great time in the Lightfoot Smith household. Um, And I think about what Proverbs 6, 6 through 8 says. It says, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter. And we had not been doing any gathering. Um, We'd been... I mean, it's hard to say that because it's like, well, I was home taking care of a baby, but in some ways we had been lazy. We were just like, oh yeah, he'll get another job. It'll be fine. But we were greatly deceived. And I remember Jordan couldn't find work and we quickly learned the art of budgeting. Um, We started cutting out all extra expenses. We stopped eating out. We stopped, we got creative with date nights and started doing things that we could do for free. And, um... Even in the midst of this discipline, God was giving me visions for BGWP. So I remember I'd wanted to do a back to school event, but no matter how much I planned, things were just not working. Like I would try to get a venue and that would not work out or I would try and I just thought it was going to be this simple thing. And I remember I was going to I wanted to have it at a gym and then I saw the pricing. I was just like, what? Especially because I wanted to do it for free. So I'm like, OK, if I'm not charging people to come to this event, where am I supposed to get this money to rent the space? And um, I just continued to pray because I was like, Lord, clearly there is something missing. And I remember one Sunday I was in church it might have been yeah Sunday I was in church and God was like this is where the event is gonna be and I just lost it like at this point yes we had done workshops but this was gonna be our first event as black girls of purpose so the fact that God wanted us to have it in his church it just meant so much to me I was like oh of course Lord like this is your home and this is your ministry and what better way to let people know that you know they can live with purpose if they get tied with Jesus and 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 just you know let him light up their lives and all these different things and I just was like again so overwhelmed I was sitting at the front of the church just crying and um it was just this like great encounter so with my marching orders y'all I was ready because at this point I've been waiting all year long to get some kind of clear direction I had talked to a few people about it um Victoria Logan came and her and I have known each other from high school. So she's a YouTube influencer, if you haven't heard of her before. But I had talked to her earlier that spring because she was one of the women I had featured on the blog. I was like, hey, you know, I'm thinking about doing this back to school rally. Would you like to come and speak? And she was like, definitely. So I've been talking to her. So I was glad to actually have a little bit more clarity about what we would be doing. And I talked to the pastor of our church's youth ministry initially because I knew I wanted to have teens involved in it. And he was like, oh, yeah, send me a proposal. And so I did late, like the very next day because, again, I had been waiting so long. So it felt good to have actual things I need to follow up on. And then he didn't... um 
he didn't get back to me. And so then I reached out to our college and young adult pastor and he was trying to help, but he had to get like um, clearance from other people in the ministry. And ultimately y'all like so much time passed and God was like, you still need to keep moving. So I looked at, I remember he gave me the date, November 11th. And I said, okay, if I look at the calendar and that's a Saturday, then I know that this is the day you want it to be. And sure enough, looked at the calendar, it was a Saturday, and I, that was the day he wanted to be in. I remember one great thing that came out of me talking to the teen pastor was that he was like, okay, so this is like a conference for teens. And up to that point, y'all know I'd been saying that it was a, a back-to-school rally, so I was like, yes, a conference for teens. And... um just having that wording like did something I was just like okay here we go uh this is this is crazy um I just hadn't made that connection previously but like I said I with a delay with from the church I was just kind of like I need to make moves on this thing and the reason why I was trying to go through the church is because I know that knew that if we tied it to the ministry then we could have the event there for free even if we were charging and God was just like, I'll take care of the money. And I, it made me think of something that um, a pastor from my college um, town used to say, or he told someone else that I know that he said that if it's God's will, he foot the bill. So he'll foot the bill. So I remember booking the space with not even one ticket sold. And I was just like, okay, Lord, this is another faith leap. And, um, while I was going on, while this was going on, I was simultaneously trying to work out the details of publishing the devotional I had finished the past spring. So, y'all, listen to all these, like, I didn't even realize this until I wrote this out. There were so many things going on at one point, because uh, at this point, I'm, I'm I'm planning a conference, I'm trying to get a book published, and I'm still trying to, like, adjust my finances from the discipline that my husband and I had been receiving, and we... um still don't have any kind of full-time jobs like we're just we're just out here really Uh, and I don't I still don't know how I mean I know it was God but I I could not tell you month to month how we were paying our bills and different things Um, but God was taking care of us and that's a major blessing so um, I thought that I was going to do self-publishing for the book again but for some reason every time it I would try to do anything other than writing for the book. It just wasn't clicking. Like I tried to work on the book cover and I would get hit this mental block. I tried to do the formatting for the internal pages and that wasn't working. So I tried, I decided to pray and fast about it. And two days into my fast, I got this call. I remember I was uh, on Carrollton Avenue and I got this call from this publisher called Covenant Books. And they said, hey, Brie, um, we got your information and we want to send you an author packet. Um, and I'm just like, OK. And y'all, they had my address and my phone number and everything. And I remember being like, God, oh, you gave these people my information. Like, that's kind of creepy, but OK. And I looked them up and they were a faith based publishing company and all of the reviews that I saw were good my dad looked them up on the better business bureau to make sure they were legit and all of the things came out well there so I was like okay well I guess we'll do this publishing thing 
Now, y'all can say that I'm naive, but I thought because the publishing company reached out to me like, oh, so how does this work? You publish my book for free, but there was definitely a price tag attached to it. And um, as I told you before, my husband and I were already struggling financially. Uh, The cost was going to be $3,500. And I remember asking God, like, why would you bring me this opportunity uh, when you know that we don't have any money? And so I continued fasting. And one day he gave me the idea to do a Kickstarter campaign. And Kickstarter is basically crowdfunding where you have people from different places like donate to your project. And I remember that um, someone I had gone to college with in, in Missouri, the University of Missouri, she had done one and she had a lot of success she was doing an album and um so I thought okay well if she did an album then I could do a book and I remember that same week I put up the details for the campaign and our goal was 3500 and um with Kickstarter it's not like other crowdfunding campaigns like if you don't make all of the money that you need then you don't get any of the money it's not like oh you raise six hundred dollars you get that six hundred it's thirty five hundred or nothing and they recommend doing it in 30 days because they said you know it just kind of creates a sense of urgency and people are more likely to give um so that's what i did thirty five hundred dollars 30 days and we made six hundred dollars in like the first day and i thought okay lord like cool we should have the money then by next week because I started calculating if if x amount of people give this much per day then we should be set and no I think he just gave me that initial boost so that I could know that I was doing the right thing because it sat it may have made like a hundred or two hundred more dollars over the next few weeks but it sat at that amount it was below one thousand dollars up until the towards the end of the campaign when we had one week left and um I felt like I got desperate, like I was emailing people, I had been emailing people already, and I'm just like, okay, let the children come, like, here comes the money, and some people had donated and things, but at the very end, I just started texting people one by one, I was just like, hey, um, I'm doing this Kickstarter campaign, can you help me, I told them the amount that we were trying to get, I told them how far away we were from the amount, and then I told them what I just shared with you, like, if we do not raise all this money we get none of this money and I remember I was sharing percentages with people I'm like oh we're only this percentage away we're only this percentage away and the texting thing was working because as I was texting people I would have to like refresh the page and I'd look at it and I'm like oh my gosh they someone gave so now I need to update this this percentage and um for those of y'all who are listening who gave you know like I was texting people I was texting everybody and uh I just it ties into that godly community again because my friends were also telling their friends and their family like hey Bree's publishing a book um she needs help to raise the money and so um within that next week like we were up to twenty eight hundred dollars and then we raised the last seven hundred within that last week and then we raised the last seven hundred we needed overnight, honestly, like in twenty four hour time span. And because God is awesome, even though our goal was thirty five hundred dollars, we actually ended up leaving the campaign with thirty eight hundred dollars, which was perfect because Kickstarter takes taxes and fees, so once everything was like said and done, we still ended up with the exact amount that we need.
So with all those details rolling, I was able to focus on the conference fully. And I was primarily using social media for advertising. Um, I, like I said, had talked to Victoria Logan about coming to speak, but then I also wanted to look at the women um, who I'd gone to college with. I knew that they also were very passionate about um, speaking to young girls that specifically my friend Sid and my friend Aisha, they had online platforms that talked about like self-esteem and self-worth and that type of thing. So I asked them if they'd be willing to come and they're like, yeah, definitely. And so, um, my friends, uh, Zuri and, and Allie and Lilla, they all helped me with various pieces of the conference, whether it was registration or hospitality or decorations, all kinds of things. And I remember the Sunday before the conference, we had our volunteer meeting and I just stood in this circle thinking like, this is really happening. And this is, <laughs> this is happening because of the community God has blessed me with that. I have people who will send out a text and say, Hey, Bree's throwing a conference or, uh, who will get a group of people together like one of my friends slash mentee slash I don't know titles whatever she um reached out to people who were in school with her about volunteering and that's how we got like the majority of our volunteers for the conference and I was just like lord people really believe in this dream and I just felt just this huge sense of 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 comfort and relief and um I was expecting 200 women to come to this conference. Like, that was the number I felt like God gave me. And so I was preparing for that 200, y'all. I was just like, okay, let's kill this thing. And um, we had not sold a ton of tickets, maybe two or three, even at the beginning of that week. But again, I knew, like, where God, guys, God provides. I've (laughs) tried to give up on this thing multiple times, and he kept bringing it back to me. So no matter who shows up, like, we're going. And um, the day of the event, I walked in and people were already working to get things set up. Like I'd never experienced anything like that Um, outside of Lilla and Zuri and Allie. The kicker was that the women who were helping were the ones that I'd built bonds with over the past year that I'd spent at Celebration. So whether it was... Nikki was like one of the first people that I met when I moved to Celebration, her and her husband. And I remember seeing her ring and being like, Jordan, they're married. We should hang out with them because we had not had a a married couple friend group um, as of yet. And um, then my friend and who was also my first life group leader, Raya, like she had came she had come early she had brought one of her mentees who was her former student um Taylin, who was my second life group leader she wasn't there but she was there in spirit she was like asking me for updates and everything and then um it's funny because Allie was there and she had actually been my life group leader at one point which was crazy seeing that go full circle from us first meeting in 2014 to us transitioning to this new church and this new place this new community but she was still rocking with me and um she had been there again from the very beginning and then with all of them with Zuri with Allie with Lilla came this new group of friends this new tribe of women who not only prayed for me um, but they fasted with me they believed in me they were willing to take part in the vision that God gave me and they started out as just members of my church family or members of my life group and they became my real family in a very short period of time 
And y'all, I could like at this point, we're only at 2017 and I could go on to tell you more of what God has done in 2018. But I really want to just focus on that that year and, and end with 2017 because it was a year ago that I was in that same place in Celebration Church, this place that I wasn't expected to go or make friends or anything. And standing in a group of women who had just been through this whole journey with me and you may be like okay Bree so what is why are you telling me all this what in the world does this have to do with Friendsgiving but y'all know I'm, I'm transitioning to Texas next week and as I go I've been thinking about legacy and I've been thinking about the incredible things God has done since I moved here in 2013 like I came here with nothing and nobody it was just me and Jesus and I am leaving with this family, with people who have seen me through my newlywed stage and my first pregnancy and, and, you know, starting up this ministry and my second pregnancy and having these monthly events and doing these different things. And I want you to be able to have that same kind of thing. Like, even again reemphasizing legacy I also am thinking about you and the black girls of purpose community and I'm thinking about the different interactions that you may have had with me and I hope that you've been blessed by the blog posts that I have started way back in 2016 or the events that I've hosted or the posts that I've shared on social media or an email I sent or even the podcast that you're listening to now like I hope that they bless you immensely but I also want to make sure that the produce that the fruit that is produced from all of this is lasting and I believe that that happens within godly community um in live godly community it's not enough to be connected with me online it's not enough to you know respond to an instagram message or a dm you need real live people who know you intimately people who will pray with you the way that my people pray with me they'll fast with you they'll believe in you and take part in bringing about your vision and accomplishing your dreams and I know that you're going to have the opportunity to meet those kind of people if you join me tonight at Friendsgiving. I think that you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. And y'all, like everything that I just described to you, everything that's happened to me has come as a result of just saying yes to something. And so I'm just, I am literally begging you, like, just, 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 just trust don't trust me trust God but if okay if you you're like I don't know God like that but you feel like you know me okay so trust me but listen it all started with that one call with that one yes join this church became join this ministry became served with this camp go to this retreat write this book attend this event get married host a workshop trust people share your vision start this organization change churches start a family write another book publish professionally run a kickstarter campaign go to this place do this conference do this thing and as every time god gave me a new assignment i said yes lord send me And so I am just hoping, y'all, that if you have seen my posts about Friendsgiving on social media and something about them is radiating, I want to let you know that it's not because of me. I think that God may have moved heaven and earth to meet with you this Thursday evening. And by listening to the call and, and, and accepting the invitation, it could change everything. If I had dismissed the literal call that I got back in 2013 to move to New Orleans, you wouldn't be listening to me today. 
this evening, this afternoon, whenever you hear this podcast. And that one quote unquote chance encounter led to an entire ministry. And I believe something just as significant, if not more significant, could be waiting for you inside our church doors if you join us this evening. So I hope that you will accept my invitation, but more than that, I hope that you'll answer God's calling. And if you know nothing about me, you know that I love you. Even if I haven't met you, I love you dearly. And I'm just hoping that you will join me. Like what, again, that's the question I want to pose to you. What do you have to lose? Do you have any plans this evening? If you don't just come by, just, just come by, just enjoy the free food and the free fellowship. And there's going to be lip sync situations and it's going to be amazing. So I hope that you'll join us tonight, 7 PM, 2001 airline drive in Metairie. It's a friends giving event. It's free. You don't have to bring anything. And I hope that this time next year, we can look back at this together. Maybe I'll get an email from you or, or you'll send me a message on Instagram or your, or different things. I don't know, but I just hope that you can say like, wow, November 15th, 2018 was the start of my ministry. Well, all right, my loves, you've heard it here. I gave my testimony. I made the ask that you will please come to Friendsgiving. Like I said, I do think it could be the start of your ministry. And I also want to see your lovely faces before I leave. Um, I'm going to give the details one more time. So you cannot say you don't know what when it's Friendsgiving. Friendsgiving is tonight, November 15th. 7 p.m. It's at 2001 Airline Drive. Again, it's free. There's going to be food. There's going to be lip sync situation battles. It's going to be epic. And I hope to see you this evening. If I don't see you this evening for some reason, if you have to work or something, I hope that you will, as always, stay connected with the Black Girls of Purpose community by visiting blackgirlsofpurpose.org slash join. And when you do that, you'll get an awesome freebie. And always follow us on Instagram to find out what we're doing and I'll be posting some pictures from tonight, too, for Friendsgiving. So hope to see you this evening, and I hope you have a great rest of your week.